This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Deacon Danny Cahoot. We're going to continue a three-part lesson on Mount Ararat. And uh, I'll get a little deeper with it today than I did the last time. But there's just so much to it than just reading that Noah landed his ark on the God landed an ark on the mountains. But I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 24 in verse 37, which will lead into the lesson. I'm calling the lesson this morning. Hi, Miss Inez. How you doing? Uh, ravens and doves. That'll come into play here in just a little bit. Ravens and doves. Think about that while we get into the lesson. Verse 37 of Matthew chapter 24 says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them away, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. See, if you look at that as the days of Noah were, the eating, the drinking, and marrying, that's a godless lifestyle that, has, that you don't even think about God. It's even sad that even a lot of Christians today don't. They live their life and live their life, and their motivation is not drawing closer to the Spirit. Their motivation is not, how can I, oh God, can I worship you today? A lot of Christians today, their motivations is not worship. It's the eyes on getting ahead. What can I do? What can I say? It's moving in itself. And this is how the days were here. They didn't have grace then, but self-motivated and not spirit-motivated. And so the eating and the drinking and marriage is, is a lifestyle that doesn't include God in it. No tithing, no, no worship, no, 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 just, I know a lot of Christians, this is just, they say they're Christians, but out of their mouth they say they don't need to go to church to be a Christian. No, they don't. God saved the thief on the cross. You know, you can think about the, the thief on the cross that God saved. When he gets into heaven, angels are not going to say, well, hey, wait a minute, where were you baptized at? You know, they're not going to look at that thief and say, oh, wait a minute, what's seminary school? What do, what do you know about the blood doctrine? What do you, I don't know anything about it. What are you, what, what are you doing here? He said, that man in the middle cross told me I could come. And that's all that matters. Salvation, can, you can get saved wherever you are. It's Jesus Christ. And so we're going to go into Genesis chapter 4, and, I, and, and it has a lot to do with a lifestyle that's, that's not right for Christian people. Okay, last term, we went through the genealogy up to Noah. And uh, so let's let's read. Let's see where I want to start. I'll start where I'm, I'm chapter eight of Genesis. This is after the flood, after the, after the waters had broken up, open and everything had started off back up to that shortly. It's verse one of chapter eight, and God remembered Noah. And every living thing on all the, of all the, and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind pass over the earth, and the waters assuaged. 
The fountains of the deep and the waters of heaven were stopped, and the rain and heaven were restrained, and the waters returned from off the earth continually after the end of 150 days, and the waters were abated. And the ark rested in the seventh month. This is going to be critical here later on in the lesson. On the 17th day, that's going to be important of the month, because see, the seventh month for, for that in God's calendar, the seventh month is October. The first month is April. We'll get to that too. And it says that during the seventh month, it the ark rested upon the mountains, that's plural, of Ararat. So there's two main peaks in, in Turkey of Ararat. You've got the great Ararat. It's two, two different mountains. And this little Ararat. And there's two great big peaks, the highest peaks in Turkey. And surrounding that, those are, are, are plains for miles and miles and miles. And let me get to this here. So when Noah came onto the scene, this is... Uh, I'm losing my place here. That was a big thing. It had, he, when God told him to take every single animal, every single creature, every single flying thing from the face of the earth and take two of them and bring them into the ark. It was only eight of the people. The rest of the people didn't believe. The rest of the people badgering more. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rain. What is rain? And they were just mocking and cursing and swearing while Noah was building his ark. But when it came time to put the animals in, they were still sitting there. What in the world? But that had to be an angel thing. The angels had to come down and corral them. They, they, these, these eight people could not go around the face of the earth at that time and, and bring these in in order. I mean, how can you sex a fly? That's a male and that's a female. A gnat. That's a male and that's a female. I mean, it was, you see, it had to be a God thing, an angel thing, to bring them animals together and bring them into that ark into safety. It's no, it's no way in the world that these, these, these eight people could do that. So let's back up to uh, chapter 6 for a second. I'm going to lose my papers here in a second. No, verse 8 of chapter 6. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And this was not the dispensation of grace. We're in that now. We'll go cover that here in just a second. These are the generations of Noah. That Noah was a just man and a perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. It doesn't mean he was sinless. It meant that his heart was focused on God. His, he was listening and attentive to God. He was led by the Spirit. You know, you can tell if you're led by the Spirit because you're going to do what God tells you to do. You're not going to walk around being led by the Spirit and with a different motivation in your life for, for things. It's going to be, your motivation is going to be, Lord, what should I do today? What is right? Right is never wrong, and wrong is never right in God's eyes. Now, the motivation that the Holy Spirit says is, is do right. Do right. Okay. Anything other than right is not led by the Holy Spirit. Okay. Let's jump ahead here. Verse 3. No, let's go to verse uh, 11 of chapter 6. The 
earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence, and God looked upon it, and behold, the earth, it was corrupt. All flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth, and, Noah, and God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, and the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Okay, next week I'm going to have some pictures of this. And I'm going to have a little tiny 30-second video clip to show you what this archaeologist found. This, that'll, that'll finish up the lesson. I don't, I don't have time to work that into the, to the amount of stuff I really want to cover. Okay, make thee an ark of gopher wood. That's important. The rooms thou shalt make in the ark shall pitch it within without it will be with pitch. This is the fashion which you make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubics. Now a cubic is 18 inches. And the breadth is 50 cubics. And the height of it 30 cubics. A window shalt thou make in the ark. And in a cubic thou shalt finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set on the inside thereof. With the lower second and third story shalt thou make it. And behold I, even I do bring a flood up of waters upon the earth to destroy all the flesh wherein the breath of life. This is important because this right here will start a new covenant. I'm going to cover a couple of those here in a minute. I, didn't, shouldn't, I should have waited to say that, but hold on. Well, there it is right there. Verse 8. But with thee I will establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy, wife, thy sons' wives with thee. And every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring into the ark. Now, if you really think about that verse, every living thing, two of its kind, that's on the realm of impossibility in a human. I mean, what if you had to do that today? I mean, I mean, how are you going to go to Africa and get two lions? You know, how are you going to go to Antarctica and get the seals? I mean... This right here is a phenomenal, a phenomenal act of God here that's happening. And it ends on Mount Ararat. Of every living, and to keep them alive with thee. I mean, I, oh my goodness. They shall be male and female. I'm not, I'll let the pastor speak on most of that. We'll, uh, if I get started on that, we'll get political. Well, not saying he'll get political, but hey, right is right and wrong is wrong. You got male and you got female. That's it. Period. All right. And the Lord said unto Noah, verse 1 of chapter 7, Come thou in thy house into the ark, for in thee I have seen righteousness in, the right, in this generation. What he's saying is, I've spotted you and your family are the only ones left that serving God. That's it. Everybody else's mind is corrupt. They're killing they're, they're doing all this stuff. Noah, I'm sick of it. Get in the ark. Just, just build the ark and get in it. He said, I'm going just, I'm to just, start over. A new beginning. This is what we're talking about. With there. Mount Ararat stands for a new beginning. And we'll cover that here shortly. Verse 1, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for I have seen righteousness before me in just generations. Of clean beasts, every clean beast thou shalt take unto these sevens. Now, if you, I'm not going to get into the sacrifice here but very briefly. Some of them, more than two, were taken because they, when they came out, they had to sacrifice blood for the covering and for their blood sacrifice. And so I'm not going to really get into the sacrifice part of it at this point. 
Male and female and beast. Because if you ever wonder why the Bible says, well, why are there seven of those and only two? There was double, there was more than two because they had to have animals for sacrifice once God was looking ahead. And no one knew this. Of every clean beast that are clean two by two, male and his female, verse three, fowls of the air. You know how many different ducks there are alone? How many different sparrows? How many different cardinals? How many different, I mean, penguins? I mean, of every single bird, two of every single kind, the more I read this, I'm saying, you know what? I serve a great God. You know, if God can do that, if God can save me, what, else, what can he do in your life if you just let him do it? I mean, no one of them couldn't do this. This is, not, this is not a human thing right here where you can go and get every single bird of every... They had no idea how the different kinds of birds that were living hundreds of miles away. Okay. Verse, verse, in, in verse 3 again. Of fowls in the air by sevens, male and female, to keep seed alive and face on, upon the face of all the earth. For yet seven days, you got seven days, I will cause it to rain on the earth forty days and forty nights. And may and every living substance that I have made I will destroy from off the face of the earth. That's a scary thing for these people. These people have no idea what's getting ready to come. And when I share some of this is here in just a minute. Well, I'll share it. Hold on. I'm getting ahead of myself. I got I got so much I want to want to get in this short period of time. And no one did according and to all that the Lord had commanded him. Not just part of it. That, that's, 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 that's important to where we are even today. Noah did everything that God told him to do. Did he sin? Yes. Did he get mad at these people and tell them to go take a flying leap? Yes. Did he, did he, th- he may not have thought the evil that we thought, but let me tell you something. If somebody was cursing me while I'm trying to do God's work, I'm not going to have a lot of compassion. I'll take it a little bit. I'll, one day I'll get into a story of what happened when he came to see me. My wife had broke her ankle. <laughs> I ain't going to have time to get into it. Well, a horse stepped on it and crushed it. She was in surgery. And anyway, pastor was up there, and he had this dealing on, this dealing on, that dealing on, this dealing on. He had to go on the phone. Somebody else was in the hospital. Everybody's wondering, I need the pastor. I need the pastor. And here he is, you know, I'm his brother. And my wife is, is all, they told her he might, she might lose a leg. And, and so he's in there trying to deal with some knuckle. He had started cursing him about being on the phone. I'll have to get in this in a minute. I jumped up from there and I said, let me tell you something, buddy. One more word about that phone that that man's on. We're going to tear this emergency room from one end to the other. And it ain't going to be pretty for you. And so he got the police. They came in and kind of escorted me. Now, I'm not going to get into all of that right now. But anyway. It was a big scene. Later, let me get, let me finish up with that. He was sitting there, and I was sitting there. And we were both sitting there, and everybody else had cleared up. My wife was still in surgery. And you know what? This guy made me feel so small because I had gotten into telling him that that's a preacher. He's dealing with this. I mean, I was really verbal. It was just me and him. And he came over. He said, "Let me tell you something." He said, "I didn't know your brother was a preacher. I've been up for three days. My wife's about to die." I haven't had any sleep, hadn't had any food. He said, I'm sorry. Can I sit down? And I'm let me tell you something. You know how that made me feel? I had lost it spiritually. And this man was, this man humbled himself. What am I going to say? I said, sit down. We talked and talked and talked. He knew some of the people I knew. And I said, let me tell you something. I'm sorry I lost my testimony. 
He said, I might come hear your brother preach sometime. I said, you do that. He never did. But how did we get on that? <laughs> the Lord said, bring something to me. And I, that's about a Christian spirit. Just, just, there's sometimes you can get angry, but you can't sin. I sin. And I mean, in front of my sister-in-law, she was there. She saw it. She was, because I was just, I didn't curse him, but I was borderline of it. But anyway, let's get back in here, Lord. I didn't mean to get that, but I guess it was meant to say that, that the pastor can't be everywhere at one time. He can't, he, he's got more than just, just me. He's got more, he's got, and he has to, to, he has to do what God's leading him to do. And, and as God commands him and leads him, he's, whether we like it or not, we're going to all get mad sometime or another, but he has to, he has to do what's best for this ministry, for the Holy Spirit, for his testimony. He has to go where God leads him and he can't be a thousand people. And I think that's what I was, the Lord was leading me to say in, in all of it, is that you got a man of God that's doing what God wants him to do and is called to do. Pray for him, support him, help him, do, do what we can to lift him up and not pull him down. Don't look for ways to, well, I don't like this. No, just say, Lord, how can I, how, I don't know what the pastor needs today. Let's, let, Lord, just give him strength. Give him grace. Give him courage. He's fighting the fight that we don't fight, people. I'm telling you, he's fighting the fight that none of us fight. And it's, and it's a tough battle to not only lead a church, but to live it out there. Now, I've seen him live. But to live it outside, I can't do it. And he's got an anointing on his life. I'm not going to get into that right now. I could get into, if I shared my whole testimony with you, it would blow your mind. I've shared parts of it. I need to move on. But Genesis is the book of beginnings. Of the great eight covenants which condition all of human life leading up to grace, four of them are in the New Testament, I mean, in Genesis, the book of Genesis. The first one was the Edenic covenant. This is the covenant that God made with Abraham in the Garden of Eden, and it's sometimes called the covenant work. It is the first covenant that God made directly with man before the fall. In Scripture, we see two different types of covenant that God makes with people. They're conditional, which uh, God keeps regardless. With their unconditional, that God will keep regardless. And we'll cover that when we get to the next one. That no matter what happens, what people do, what people say, God's going to keep his covenant. And there's some that are, that are conditional, that God's going to honor his covenant as long as we're doing right. As long as we're doing right in our life, he will honor his covenant. But if we do wrong, if we choose to go around here and do wrong, God is not going to bless that and God's not in that. He's, he will not break his covenant. Okay, outside of the covenant, all right, I'm not going to cover the other one. Okay, let me cover this part. Inside the covenant, you got dispensations. Now, dispensation is not a covenant. A covenant is what God has said, this is my covenant with you, and it's, it's sealed. The first dispensation was a dispensation of innocence, and it was from Adam to the fall. Adam to when he sinned. Adam was totally innocent. He, couldn't, he didn't know good and evil. So the first dispensation that was on this planet with, with creation, inside the, inside the Edenic covenant, which was, okay, we just covered that, 
was the covenant, it was the dispensation of innocence. The second one is the dispensation of conscience, which is from the fall, sin entered the world up to the flood. I didn't bring my handkerchief this morning. I'm using tissues. I don't, I'm not cold. I've got tears in my eyes when I think about what I'm getting ready to cover. It's up. I don't know. I get, I get emotional with my spiritual life because I know how small I am and how great he is. The conscious dispensation, which is covers, which is the period from the fall up to the flood. And the human government dispensation is the after the flood, humanity is responsible to enact the death penalty. We're gonna cover that. But you got the we're not gonna cover these next ones. The dispensation of promise, the dispensation of law. The dispensation of grace, which is what we're in now, and you got one more, which is the millennial dispensation, but we're not going to, that's way down the road. But the covenants, the dispensations is a period of time, along with the covenants. Right, let's go back to this verse, y'all. I'm going to have to close this, I'm losing my notes. I'm going to go with these notes here. All right, for chapter 8. Okay. When the seed the ark rested in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day, upon the month, upon the mountains of Ararat. Next week, I'm going to cover more of this right here. The second week of October begins October 15th. See, October 10th is the Day of Atonement. That's when all the Jews go and they sacrificed and they for a covering of their sins for the entire year. That's the Day of Atonement. That's not. That's not. Passover. And so the following week after the Day of Atonement, they prepare themselves for what they call the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles, they go in these little booths, they set up these little huts, and they take their whole family inside of the huts. And you say, what has this got to do with Ararat? And we'll show you. They call it the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Sukkoth, S-U-K-K-O-T-H. And what they do is they get inside these little huts, and this is how God commanded them. You will honor the Feast of Tabernacles. And what it is is at a time of eating and praising and worshiping, and it focuses on it. means we are going to tabernacle with God this entire week. From the week of the from the free week of 15th for seven days, the seventh day is a Sabbath. But you're going to stay in these huts, you're going to live in these huts. And you're, it's going to, you're going to remember what God and how he delivered you out of Egypt, how he brought you out of bondage, how he brought you here. And you are going to feast and tabernacle with God in these huts so you can turn. It's like a fast. If you, if, you, if you say, I'm going to fast for three days and I'm going to se- separate myself. From God. You're going to, what you're going to do when you're fasting is you're not going to, oh, three more days, oh, two more days. Oh, I'm, so, I'm on a hamburger. Oh, 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 you see a sign, oh, look at that food. No, when we fast, our mind is focused on it, and we sit down and we sit there, and we totally tabernacle with God. God. See, he feeds the spirit when we're the spiritual food when you're when you're fasting and you're not it's not the physical food. I'm not talking on fasting now, but I'm getting back to where we're talking about the feast of tabernacle. We're tabernacling with God, getting close to him as close as we can, and just totally focused on him. And that's what Sukkoth is. The feast of tabernacles is for these people to get inside and separate themselves for a period of time after the day of atonement. They're beginning a new beginning. That's important. 
The year is gone. God has accepted that sacrifice. The high priest has anointed, has set it in the, in the, inside the temple. God took the sacrifice. The people are rejoicing, and God has given them a new start, a new beginning. And so they go and they feast for seven days and totally tabernacle. We've got to thank you, Lord. You've accepted the sacrifice, and it's like when you accept, when you seriously from the heart have gone wrong, and you go to the Lord and say, "Lord, forgive me." He's going to forgive you. The blood's applied. But, you're, but if you just walk through life, oh, I didn't mean to do that. Sorry, Lord. Oh, Lord, that's not forgiveness. That's, or you get caught. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's not forgiveness either. Forgiveness is restoration. You go and say, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. What can I do to make it right? Oh, God, your heart. Forgiveness comes from the heart. It's not a, it's not a tongue thing. It's not a, it's not, it, it, it comes from the heart. Oh, that was wrong. That's the spirit. That was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have went here. I shouldn't have thought that. Oh, Lord, how can I make it right? That's forgiveness. Okay, I need to move on. Here we go. So I'll get further into that week of October the 17th when the ark rested on the mountains. See, the ark, Ararat is a mountain that is, but it was a volcano. It was an active volcano. I'll show you some pictures of this next time. And that's how these peaks were formed. They were active back then. And the, the, they, were, they, they were shut down at the time the ark rested on it. And the ark rested at an angle and it was on the top. Through the years and through excavation, they have found it because they were all looking for it. But the volcano had erupted again and shifted it and the ark came down on its side and it was kind of buried. Oh, the ark is this, the ark is that. They want no such thing. Well, a man found it and they excavated it and they've got the dimensions and they've got the things. And you know what? It's 300 cubics. The breadth, the length. Every single measurement of this ark that they found in Turkey is exactly the measurements that this book says it is. I'm telling you something, folks. Ararat is a place of new beginnings. Just like this altar. You want to get, you want a new beginning? Just lay it on the line. Let's go. And it came to pass, verse 6. This is really, really good here. Just catch this. Because the title of this lesson is Ravens and Doves. And I hope I can finish it. I'm not. But anyway came to pass at the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark which he made and sent forth a raven which went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. The raven said, I ain't going back there. That's like Christians today in this world. They get saved. They get so comfortable with the world. They don't want to come back. They don't want to get things right. They don't want, and they just fly to and fro. As, you know, oh, they're like, Salvation is like this. You got a seed. I can put a seed in a jar. I wish I had one this morning. And set it right there. That seed will never grow. That seed will never produce. That seed will never give, give anything. But you can take, and it'll sit there 20 years. Never do nothing. That's how a lot of Christians are. They get saved. They get that seed of salvation in them. And they don't water it. They don't, their spiritual life is totally nothing. And that seed just stays there. For years and years, never invite anybody to church, never, never smile, never, their motivation is not on, oh God, let me grow, let me grow in grace. It's, it's all about, how can I get ahead? What can I do? 
Anyway, you take that seed out of that jar and you put it in good ground with fertilizer and you start watering it. That seed dies to itself and it becomes different. It becomes something new and it spurts up out the ground and it changes for corn and it goes and grows and grows and pretty soon you got ears of corn. How many seeds are in the ear of corn? And then you can plant those and then plant those and then plant them. So that's how spiritual life is. If you keep it, but what happens if you cut the water off? What happens if you spray it with Roundup? What happens if, 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 if a Christian, life, Christian person gets around negative people? If a Christian person decides they're going to get out of the fellowship, they begin to, to die spiritually. Now let's get back to the ravens. That's the raven part. The beauty part is coming with the dove. And also he sent forth a dove. From him, from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. Raven didn't come back. Noah was excited. Hey, man, let's let the raven out. He's ready to work. He's ready to come show me. He's ready to come to us like a Christian coming here all fired up. And the pastor gets excited. And then six months later, you don't see him. They don't come. They don't, they're not plugged in. They're finding fault. They're walking around trying to find fault. And hey, if I want to find fault, you know what I do? I go look right in the mirror. I'm, that'll keep me busy all day long. If I go right to the mirror and look myself in the eye, and I can sit there and find more fault right there than I can anywhere else on this, anywhere. And uh, that's another lesson in itself. Okay, and he sent, a, okay, verse 8 of chapter 7. And he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated, because the, the raven failed. But the dove found no rest for her soul or her foot, and she returned unto the ark. That's like us. You know, we go out, we face this world, we come in here and find rest on Sundays. We come in and find peace in our spiritual life. You know, we're out here, we fail, we fail, we fail, but we can always go back to that ark. We can always go back to Ararat. We always start a new beginning. Lord, today I failed you. Forgive me. I don't find no rest out here fighting all this right here, Lord. I find rest for my soul in you. I find peace in my soul for you, from you. But the dove found, verse 9, but the dove found no rest for her soul, and she returned unto the ark. For the waters of the face of the whole earth then put forth his hand and her, took her and he pulled her into the ark. That's like God. Hey, his hand is always out. Put your hand in my hand, man. Just keep it there. Just put it there, man. And we stand just far enough back. Yeah, I know, but you don't, for God, you don't understand. I, he said this, he did this, I need this, I need. And God's just sitting there. Look, you don't have any rest for your soul. Put her there, man. Just put her there. Put her there, man. You're almost there. Just put her there. Are we doves or are we ravens? Verse 10. And he stayed another seven days and again sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came back to him at evening and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf. See, the dove could have survived. But she went out and she brought back and said, look, it's not much, but it's life. Here, Noah, if the dove could talk, if we could talk. You know, Pastor, I can't do a whole lot, but I can call somebody who's sick. 
I can, and night before I lay down on my, I can get my sins confessed, and I can pray for somebody. Who can, who can, who can I pray for? Who needs prayer? The Holy Spirit will lead us to who we need to pray for. And then you can come back and say, Pastor, I've been praying for you all week. Or whoever you're praying for, I want you to know personally, I prayed for you this week. You, know, you bring them a little piece of olive relief. That'll sustain somebody. It gives people hope. But this is what Noah looked at us. He says, he said, aha, we're getting there. It's been a long journey. Verse 10 again, but the dove fell. No, wait, no, wait a minute. Verse 11. And the dove came into him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So no one knew that the waters were abated off of the earth. They're going down. So the dove said, I ain't flying around here in all this trouble. Man, what am I gonna, where am I going to go? I, don't, I need the ark. I need the safety. I need, I need the comfort. I need, I'm going back. I'm going to stay right in that ark until it's time. In verse, verse 12, and he stayed another seven days and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him anymore. It wasn't that she didn't come back to the safety. She went on out to start a new family and replenish the earth like God had made the covenant with and commanded them to do. It's a covenant. It's part of the covenant. I'll cover that here in just a second. In the second month, I'm going to win a minute. And it came to pass in the 601st year, in the first month, this is the Passover month, in future, it hasn't been established yet. But the month of April, the first month is April. That is the same. It, it all, it's all looking to. You can see when you read the. Uh, excuse me. Let's see where is that. Boy. And it came to pass in verse 13. Let's try it again. And it came to pass in the 601st year in the first month, that's April. That is, if you look forward to the Moses, when, he, when God established the covenant and the laws and the, and the feast, he commanded that, that April is going to be the Passover where you're going to come and, and, you, and you're going to sacrifice. Every year, the high priest goes in and sacrifices. It's a holy convocation. If you read about a holy convocation in the Bible, it's when there, there's four different ones that the entire Jewish nation has to come and participate. He talked on that a little bit last week. Last week. That's why there's so many people when they come at Passover time. And, and, and it's also the Day of Atonement. And also the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And there's, there's, I, I, one, I might go back on them down the road. I've got them all that I've covered. All right, let's see. For the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark, and looked, and behold, the face of the ground of the the face of the ground was dry. And they, what did they do? They, they started to say, "Thank you, Lord God, you have spared us out of the entire world, out of all the millions of people that have been here on earth. We are the only ones." And God, then at that point. Where was I at? At any time anybody wants to teach, they'll tell you something. This is not my calling. Y'all can, can do it, man. I'm telling you. 
Y'all can come right on here and let it fly. Let's see. Okay. What was I talking about? That's very disturbing. Go forth in the ark. Let's see, wait a minute. Let's go to here for chapter 14, yeah. Chapter 8, verse 14. In the second month of the seventh and twenty-eighth day, the month was the earth was all dried up. That's May. And God spoke to Noah, saying, Go forth. I'm gonna cover these dates further next time. I just want to I'm just for a mental note to let you know what, what months these were. And God spoke to Noah, saying, Go forth to the ark, thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives. Bring with thee every living creature thing that is with thee of all the flesh. Fowl, those fowl, the birds used to fascinate me. Because there's so many different ones of them. Here's another angel thing. The angels had to be in charge of this. These people can't, do, can't control all these animals. There's only eight of them. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's probably over a thousand different species of birds. Both the fowl and of cattle and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and that breatheth abundantly upon the earth and bring, be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. Go ahead and show it over. It's a new beginning. It's a, you're the only ones. Every single human being that's living today is a descendant of Noah. Every one of us. And we're all under partial. Of, no, we're not. We're under the grace covenant, but we can look at. Um, let me. I'm running out of time. I got to finish this real quick. I lost about five minutes, guys, and I'm sorry. Let's see. Noah went forth and his wife and his sons where I was with him and every beast, every creeping thing and every fowl whatsoever creepeth on the earth after their kinds went forth out of the ark. Here's the, here's the covenant coming, guys. And Noah built an altar. He didn't want to go have a party. He didn't want to see how he could go have a dispute. He wasn't looking around saying, man, that and I, I'm the only one here. I'm rich. He didn't do that. He built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast, of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings. There's the division of the sevens. That's why they brought seven for the sacrifice, two male and female. But he had, that's why the, the clean beasts, he brought more for more of them so they could sacrifice them to the Lord. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said unto said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will again I smite every more any more every living thing as I have done. And here's here's something for all these global warmists, all these people that's trying to suck money out for because they think the earth is heating up and cooling down and all this other stuff. They want your money. And while the earth remaineth, they hate this verse. They hate it. Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. I don't care how many plants they build, how many plants they shut down. I don't care how many electric cars we have or don't have. We're going to have seed time and we're going to have harvest and we're going to have cold and we're going to have heat and we're going to have winter along until the Lord decides to bring heaven down here and we have a new heaven and a new earth. Now, this is, I've got to get upon this, this uh, covenant. So I'm going to have to, oh, man, I'm going to run out of time with this. Okay, in verse 2, and the fear of you, and no, let's see, no, for chapter 9, and God bless Noah, I'm going to read real fast, and I'm going to have to elaborate on it next time. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. And the fear of the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth. 
upon every fowl of the air that moveth upon the earth, upon all the fishes in the sea are delivered in hand. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you. See, now we have a new, this is in the new noetic covenant. You can eat meat. And even as green herb I have given you, but flesh of, with the life thereof, which is blood, therefore you shall not eat. Surely your blood of your lives will require at the hands of every beast, I will require it. That means if a beast kills a man, you're going to kill that beast. And it gets better. And at the hand of man, while I require every man's brother, I will require the life of a man. Whoso shed the man's blood by man, shall his blood be shed. For he, this is the image of God which he made. Here we enter an end to the uh, human government dispensation. Not the covenant. Before you had the innocence dispensation. Y'all with me on that? This is another dispensation, the dispensation of human government. That's the third dispensation. Under conscience of innocence and under the utterly failed in judgment, the flood marks the end of the second dispensation and begins the third. The declaration of the Noetic Covenant subjects humanity to a new test. Its distinctive feature and institution for the first time, human government. The government of a man by man, the total, high, the highest function of government is the judicial taking of life. Another is, a, is of government, distinctly, is the, it follows the third dispensation of man is responsible to govern the world for God. See, we, we become, that's why how the judicial system totally began right there. That we now can, you took this man's life, where's the two witnesses? See, you can't just say he did it. But when two or three or more say he did it, then we can deal with that. This is how to do this with system. I'm, I'm way behind now. All right, now I'm going to have to finish this with the next verse. I'm going to have to skip. Verse 8. Yeah, I'm going to have to finish with this. Oh. And God spake unto Noah and his son, saying, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. And with every living creature that is with you, the fowl and the cattle and beasts that walk with you from all that went out of the ark and every beast, I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters, neither shall there be any more flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is a token for the covenant, which between me and you and every living creature for you for perpetual generations, forever. here's your sign that I'll never do it again. This is, you can always look into the sky, folks, and see that God is there. I do, verse 13, set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a token for a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth, and the bow shall be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature. That's us, every living creature. We got a covenant, folks. We got a covenant with the Lord. Just the rainbow itself, you can look up and say, oh, God. I want to tabernacle with you today. And you, you can, when you see the bow, you can say, oh God, you've made a covenant with us. We're under the grace covenant and we'll cover that later. But look at it the next time you see a rainbow. Oh, there's the covenant. There's the promise. That's a promise. That is a promise from God that was written years ago. Anyway, I'm going to have to, I got, I got to stop, guys. And as you come, let me see. I'm going Verse 15, I will, I will remember my covenant. Well, I can't, I gotta go. I'm over time. Sorry. I enjoy me. See, I don't know all this stuff. I mean, I've been through this thing 30 times. I'm on my 30th time.
Every time I read it, I learn something new. But this is my theory on studying. I don't study to come in here and have a Sunday school class to show how much I know. I'm coming to you to share what I found that, that God has given me another truth so we can make it, so we can help somebody else, so we can smile, so we can show somebody else, hey, the Spirit of God is alive and working in my life. He can work in yours just by smiling, just by an example, just by, just by, just by living a Spirit-led life. And uh, so like, like David, we don't get up here and try to show boat and say, you know, look at what I don't look at how much I don't. We're trying to help. Help this church grow. Help me grow. Help, help everybody. Just help everybody. Just, just help everybody. And I'm going to close with that. You listen to Deacon Danny Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.